everyone and welcome to Opera After Dark. We are jumping in with our next episode, picking up right where we left off with a very special guest here, Christopher Cerrone. Welcome back, Chris. Yay! Part hey. two of Composer Drinking great to, Whiskey. Great to be back and not definitely in the same place. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not in the same place session. at the same time, just a little bit later. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Wink. So, so we have lots of questions for Chris, so we're just going to dive right in. Yay. Hooray! Guys, what do we need to do to have like a classical music rave? Is that even a thing? What would that be? It would be lame. I don't know. It would be really lame. It would be, <laughs> oh, no. Okay. It would be me drunk in a corner singing to Dvorak Symphony Number no. so 9. <laughs> Trying to explain to everybody how amazing it is. And everyone right, being right. like, okay, this it's music been, is stupid. It's been killed open. already. It's done. It's just Why would I surprise that like, like, you get drunk and explain things? <laughs> I don't know why you'd be surprised by that, but if I get I get drunk and people are at our house and I'll because like ultimately there are a lot of percussionists there, so they want to listen to Snarky Puppy, which I hate. I agree, um, agree, they suck. Thank you so it's much. Horrible. Thank you so much. Um, but ultimately, I will be like, no, 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 we need to listen to the New World Symphony. Also, <laughs> like, not good, but like better. No, it's she, amazing. It is the like one of the pieces that I just dig, and then I will just like sing along to. <laughs> Like, there was one year where, like, she sang along every theme. It was just Elspeth, like, karaokeing. If there's even a version of that to divorce back. I love that thing. I it love a it. Thing of beauty. Everything about it. And she's only yelling. the Leonard Bernstein New York film. Yes, recording. and like in the rest, yelling like it's pirate music. So divorce back <laughs> is inherently pirate music. I know what the new world is supposed to be about. It's fucking pirate music. That's the way he writes. I was at a concert at the Chamber Music Society with Ian. And they were playing a Dvorak, like, string sextet. Um, and I was like, I'm telling you, they're going to start playing, and it's going to be, like, a fucking sea shanty. And he's like, no, you're being an idiot. And they started playing, and it was, like, in 6-8. And everyone's, like, rollicking around. It's like, I fucking told you. Oh, <laughs> this man. is a sea shanty. Is Dvorak the worst composer? No. <laughs> Why are you saying that? All right, now we're getting into the section where we're going to just throw names out and Chris is going to say how much he thinks they suck. <laughs> or how, I mean, like, his thoughts on them. It's probably going to be how much he thinks that they suck. So, fuck. Good, but overrated. There it is. <laughs> Beethoven. No, this was like, no, like, this, like a side note. There was like a, like a four to eight year period where I have to like, there was some period where like Martin Bresnik when I was in grad school with Ian. Ian was in, Ian was in the room at this point And I was like, Basically, went on this rant about how like Bach was overrated. I like, know he's told me about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, which, which, which are, like became like yell lore, which, are pretty, which, I, which I was basically the point I was making, which I feel like you as singers will appreciate, is that I think Bach's vocal music is underrated. Bach's keyboard music is overrated. Like in terms yeah, of like, I'm like I, I have hundred percent agree. Yeah, like Bach is amazing, and he is an amazing vocal composer, and there's so many amazing cantatas out there. And then, like, people were, like, the third and two-part invention, which was, like, some throwaway piece that he wrote for his kids. Like, I just, that was, that was the point I was making, and somehow it got, like, turned into box mm-hmm. socks. But anyway. <laughs> what about the uh, the Goldberg variations? Goldberg variations are very good. It's, like, the best 90 minutes of G major you can possibly imagine. I mean, I think there are better there are better pieces, but I enjoy the Goldberg variations mm. a lot. I definitely grew up with, like... Glenn Gould's Goldberg variations being yeah the which, thing which one 
Well, I don't know. Yeah, really the one know. where he's singing along. Yes, the one where yeah, he's singing along. The 50s one is like really fast. Yeah. And the 80s yes. one is like unnecessary. And then I heard about this concert that they did at the. So I'm Canadians and I grew up outside of oh, Toronto. It's everything. So, okay. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so they did this concert at one point, or I heard about this concert where they did like a video projection of Glenn Gould playing, and it was like the ghost of Glenn Gould playing the variations. What? Which sounds pretty creepy but like that's the, the like the obsession with Glenn like Gould. old Glenn Gould or young Glenn Gould I wasn't there I don't really know oh, okay. but, but I, I love Glenn Gould because he's the original troll yeah, that's fair. He is like, I'm going to play the Rondo Alaturka really slowly. Yeah, <laughs> because I kind of like it. Yeah, no, I I, I love Glenn Gould. He I mean, actually practiced with gloves on because he was so afraid of his like no, hands getting. Yeah, no, Glenn Gould was clearly insane, but I, I love, I do love him, and I love both recordings. I, I, I the the Goldberg Variations is the great piece that has been rehabilitated by recordings because mm-hmm. it's like. Honestly, like I have seen people like Goldberg variations, and it is like vaguely boring, as you yeah. said. But like, mm-hmm. you put it yes. on, and then you just really enjoy the recording, and then you can kind of like do your dishes, and you're like, "This is great." Actually, yeah. I remember I saw this performance of it that I felt was sort of like again like poetically beautiful. It was my friend Dave Kaplan did a performance of it, and he did it on this like really out of tune piano at this like space called South <laughs> oh. Oxford Space in Brooklyn. And it was like the yeah, piano was like this space more. Is beautiful. It's a really beautiful space, and like the piano is increasingly out of tune over the course of the performance because it's just like is maybe not a great piano. And it was yeah. really beautiful to me to like just hear the piano go out of tune. I mean, he's a beautiful pianist and. To take nothing away from his performance, I was just like, "Wow!" Like the piano is more and more out of tune over ninety minutes, and like this is becoming a uh, like a Lamont Young. <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the Goldberg Goldberg variations written because like the King of Prussia at the time needed help falling asleep, and he yes, yeah, I, I think one? so. The the, yeah. the the musical offering was like a really weird fugue theme that like the yes. King of Prussia yeah. wrote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if they put you to sleep, Bach has succeeded. So. That's true. Right. That is exactly, it did a very good job of what right. it was intended let's move on, to do. Let's move on from Bach. Right, okay. okay. Beethoven. Rated. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> He's neither overrated nor underrated. <laughs> okay. Although I, I got into a Twitter argument with that guy, Stephen Azarelis, who's like some cellist, who I was like, He's like Beethoven is a god. I'm like, dude, have you heard the King Stephen Overture? Which is like a piece that is so bad that like everyone is like references it as the bad Beethoven piece. But no, Beethoven's amazing. Beethoven's a genius. Like, there's yeah. no getting around. Fidelio is okay. Fidelio is horrible. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Kulank. Ooh, I like Kulank. Yeah. Everyone likes Kulank. Everyone likes Kulank. Yes. Yes. Kulank's rated. What about Mozart? The best. The best. He's the best. He's the best. Oh, you you answered appropriately for Naomi. (laughs) She would have slapped you. (laughs) No, Chris loves Mozart. Appropriately. Do you have a favorite Mozart piece or a couple favorite pieces? Um, the C minor mass is like up there. It's like cliche. The requiem is very good. Um, Cliches are okay. Note. Uh, Note Figaro. Mm-hmm. Perfect uh, opera. Cosi fan tutte. Mm-hmm. Weird, like persistently weird. Yes, that's true. There is yeah. that like glorious few minutes of music in the first act. I can't even describe where it happens. Like, no, 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 the, the, the last the tra- act was tra- like. No, the trio, the trio, the three, the, the two women and. Uh, oh, that's beautiful. So, oh, the suave. suave. Yeah. yeah.
understood the voice. I mean, actually, mm-hmm. if you if you ever like want to read something like hilarious, is the DePonte memoirs. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's so <laughs> self-aggrandizing. It's sort of amazing. He DePonte was like DePonte was an amazing character. He's just like basically like the whole the whole like DePonte memoirs is basically like I'm not a Jew. Like, <laughs> like, he, like, passes over the whole the Jewish thing. He's just like, I'm not a Jew. It's, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, and then he's basically like, something bad was happening, and then I saved the day through my brilliance. It's like, it's like... Yeah, dude. Like, DePonte is... And, and then he got kicked out of Italy. Yes. Uh, and they moved to New York and started the Italian department at Columbia. Yeah. But he was, like, right, bankrupt right. several times and fled... Kind of, like, he fled Italy because he was bankrupt. I think I kicked out of being a priest. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Sexy yeah. priest. The, he is definitely sexy. <laughs> I remember when we did sexy the Dupont episode, I think the social media post I had was I randomly Googled sexy priest, which don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the most PG thing I found was someone had superimposed Tom Hiddleston's head on, like, someone wearing a priest outfit. So I was like, this works. This is fine. <laughs> Right, we have. I think we have DePonte episodes. We have part two DePonte episodes. DePonte yeah. is amazing. No, DePonte is like, and it's sort of like you see that with like the mother operas, like clearly. Yeah, you can visit his grave. I mean, I think it's paved over by the airport, right? Well, he can... he's buried somewhere in Queens, but his remains were like moved from Manhattan mm-hmm. into Queens, so we're not one hundred percent sure if his actual body is there. But, but there's it's like, like a near stone Laguardia, and right? Yeah, yeah. 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 That's it's crazy. crazy. He such an interesting life. No, he, crazy. He's, Total genius. You know, an amazing memoir. He's also like responsible for bringing opera in Italian to New York City. It's true. And he like oversaw like the premieres of like Mozart operas Mm -hmm. at the Met. Like, Mm -hmm. no, Depante is awesome. Who else had good memoirs? Berlioz. Berlioz. (laughs) Why do you think think of Berlioz? Extremely bad. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us why. Because his music is horrible. Like, it's sort of invented orchestration and is sort of a genius in his own way. But I just I do not like his music at all. Like. Okay. All right, let's just go straight to it. What What about Wagner? I mean, he's a great orchestral composer. <laughs> <laughs> Elspeth is, is steaming. To be fair, neither Elspeth or I like Wagner very much. Elspeth, like, legit hates Wagner. He really, so, like, the great, like, someone was telling me that there was, like, an album of just, like, orchestral passages from Wagner, which is, like, the best album, which is, like. Look, I get it. I get it. I get his yeah. importance <laughs> in Western music. I legit get it. Uh, we have a mutual friend who has synesthesia who loves going to Wagner operas mm-hmm. because it is like the symphony of color for her. Is I it, get that. Is synesthesia real? I literally think it is it's real. No, it's, it's not made up. Real. <laughs> it's, it's not made up. It's totally real. Um, I cannot separate the person that created the music from the music. Oh, so you're not like a Woody I, Allen fan. I'm not a Woody Allen. <laughs> um, so I, I therefore cannot enjoy right. it. I will admit that there are, there are moments in Wagner where I get it, why people love it. Like when the gods ascend to Valhalla in the ring cycle, I'm like, oh, this is why. Right. Or there are moments of Parsifal where I'm like, this is extremely beautiful. And Like he had a lot of shit operas. Have you ever heard Rienzi? You know what's worse than Rienzi? Huh. It's terrible. What? The what's that one? Um, the Flying Dutchman. Oh yeah, that oh, a lot of people great. love the Flying they do Dutchman. Love it, I am not among the people who love it. Yeah. That's so fair. Bad. That's fair. <laughs> no, like Tristan is like there are moments of extreme right. gorgeousness. No, I get the importance of Tristan. And like the Morgan Lee in De Meistersinger. I know Kyle loves oh, this opera, yes. but like six hours long. I love it. Only, I love the only it. part what I like is like happening. Is like it's it's beautiful and it's, I get it's, it. I mean, the other part of my like box sucks. Like rant 
was basically the underpoints of like the overvaluing of German composers and the mm. undervaluing of Italian composers historically is that like Italian composers are the great synthesists. Mm. Whether it's Verdi, whether it's Puccini, it's like they're composers who no one would be like, this is the most original composer, just in the way that kind of Wagner sort of was. But like, let, like let's face it, everyone basically likes Verdi more than they like Wagner. <laughs> and everyone mm-hmm. likes Puccini more than they like Wagner. Because they are great yes. masters of form and structure and drama mm. yeah. and the voice. And where, so like, ultimately, like, it's not about originality. It's about taking the things that are there and making the greatest work. And so right. that was kind of the narrative. It was like, they were like, Bach's so original. It's like, originality does not matter. Originality is not important. No, I agree with you. I think that there's no one in this world that could, that is a fan of opera that could listen to like the Axe Three Quartet of Boheme and not right. be like moved by it. Yeah, of course. Right. No, everyone cries Boheme. It's like, yeah. sort of, like it's amazing. Right. That's like a thing. Like he, yeah. he really was a master of drama. There's no note in Boheme right. that's wasted. Right. And I feel like with Puccini, like if you're in the right state of mind, like, Puccini will just completely move you to tears in mm-hmm. any one of his operas, no matter how ludicrous the plot might be. Like, La Fonchula del West, like, oh, man. Yeah. Western turned into opera. That's just, like, a crazy <laughs> idea. Yes, but yes. the well, music can be just sublime, so. My crying opera is not Puccini, though. My crying <gasps> opera. What's your crying opera? Oh, crying can, op- I guess? can I guess? You're going to guess it. Can I guess? Um, yeah. Is a composer from the 20th century? Yes. Is it the Reich's Progress? No. Okay. Wait, let me guess again. Let me guess again. You're like close, I'm kind close. of. Wait. No, oh, is it Pelleas and No, Pelleas is boring. No, people don't cry in that opera. No, I was going to say, that's like... Pelleas isn't boring. That is like the cerebral opera of cerebral opera. I love that opera. It's I so just, good. No, it, is, it is good. It is really yeah. good. Um, I'm not, not going to guess it. You're it's really close. You're I'm like, really close. You're closing in. The Reich's Progress is really close. Pelleas is closer. Pelleas is closer. Dialogues of the Carmelites. No, I do like that piece a lot, though. Oh, give me a clue. You're like in the right country. It's French. Yes. It's 20th century. Yes, it is a huge fucking mezzo part. You should know this. I should know. It's the lead is a mezzo. Verter? That's not 20th century. Um. Fuck me. Um. <laughs> La Folle de Sorilège. Really? Uh, yes, I, it's my. It's like one of my favorite pieces of all time. Why? Let's unpack that for a second. It's so okay, beautiful. Who composed this piece for our listeners? Maurice Ravel. 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 Mm-hmm. He was it, a weird dude. Listen, all composers are weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have this podcast. Composers are weird dudes. Right. All right. So why uh, Fon? L'Enfant to me is the archetypical opera because ultimately it offers an extraordinarily beautiful sense of redemption. In that it is like, I mean, it's a children's opera, basically. Mm -hmm. It is for, you know, the rough plot is it is a little boy played by a mezzo, pants roll. And the little boy is naughty and his mother sends him to bed without any food. And all, when he goes home without all the toys in his um, home come to life and... They basically are like, you're terrible, you you fuck with us. You, you. Not just this way, it's like all the inanimate had like teacups, yeah, chairs. Yeah, exactly. But like, ultimately it's like, th- there's a moment in the opera wherein the child is repairing, like, like, his toy squirrel is injured and he bandages it up and all the toys realize that he has some, like, some humanity and they don't know how to help the child. So they call out, they all call out to the child's mother. It's like, help, 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 mother, mother, mother. And like, Finally, the mother comes back in and helps the child. And the child calls... Like, literally, the end of the child... The opera is just, like... 
you know, in this fourth, like, mom, mom, you know, the, the child calls out. And it's like, it, to me, it's just like this, like, Freudian basic human impulse of, like, I want to feel saved by someone, you know. And so, so like, to me, the, and, and like, the music from the beginning comes back and it's like this beautiful choral fugue and it's just like I, I, I can't get over it it's the most beautiful music It's like your favorite opera. It's like my favorite opera. That duet between the uh, the child and the princess is like oh my god, the flute and the yeah, no, it's so good, so beautiful.
No, it might be my. I mean, basically, I love one-hour plotless operas. <laughs> I know. I was just gonna say it's funny because it's like a short. There's no intermission. It's like no. I mean, right. It's, you're in and you're out. One and done. No, it just. I think it's 45 minutes long. Actually, yeah, it's, it's really right. Short. It's short. It's really short. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's like not a minute wasted, and it's sort of. It is the piece to me that I sort of. It's just amazing, and it took an obscenely long time to write. Yeah, did you feel like you gravitate more towards French composers, German composers, or it just depends? I think like French, French sort of Italian American would be like my orbit of sort of okay. You know, because I think that like French composers, American composers like Stravinsky, it all sort of like is transparency. Like is the you know like German composers historically sort of been like kind of like dense and orchestrated and uh, I just feel like German composers inherently don't understand the like stage drama comparatively which is a huge are we counting are we are we like making Mozart Italian like retroactively I feel like we are maybe I don't know (laughs) I I you know or maybe I'm Austrian I I think that you know historically Italians I feel like have a very good understanding of the voice and that is like very the voice is like when the voice is centered in the work that Mm -hmm, feels to mm -hmm. me very important but like if you look at something like Fidelio which you know is about a woman who dresses in drag to like break her husband out of prison right Right. and it's so fucking boring (laughs) I'm not sure I've ever heard (laughs) but like because it is so fucking boring which is mind-boggling to me because the subject matter should be really exciting. Like, like while Fidelio's, like, in drag, there's, a, like, a girl that falls in love with him and they're dealing with all these, like, prison politics and it's so boring. But it's Beethoven so boring. was, like, super tortured writing it and he actually said afterwards, I don't like, care. this is the worst process ever. I'm never writing another but opera. But he's, like, he's archetypical composer. He's archetypal, typical instrumental composer. Right. right. He does not have yeah. a voice. Yeah, no, it's fair. Like, what's that, like, super high note in the Ninth Symphony where it's, like... They're holding some kind of insane sentence on like high B flats, like the Sopranos, and this is like, what are you like? What are you doing, dude? Like, like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think of him as like he is like the archetypical instrumental composer to me. Right. But like Mozart definitely thought like a singer, even in his instrumental work. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and, that's, like, like, and exactly, yeah. he's sort of the opposite. Where like you're right. sort of like, I always wanted to be a singer in a Mozart piece, and I never wanted to be a singer in a Beethoven piece. Yeah. Right, right. So Massenet, you hate. Okay. What about- no, no strong feelings on Massenet, honestly. I love Massenet. <laughs> what about what about Tchaikovsky? I'll go to bat for Tchaikovsky. Um, what's it called? The opera. Onyegin. Yes. Oh, my oh. favorite opera. Yeah, extremely good. I think I think the thing about you can say about Tchaikovsky is he kind of was at least decently good at everything, which is a very rare thing for a composer. Like he wrote great symphonies, he wrote great ballets, he wrote great operas, he wrote I don't know, like I had to sit through the sixth symphony like three times at a concert and like the second or third time I was like, I can't do this. Like <laughs> That's fair. Right. But you know, he wrote great ballets, he wrote great operas and the more contemporary composers. More contemporary composers? Oh. Uh, Bartok. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Well, it's not that dun dun dun. He's dead. But Bluebeard's Blue Castle is like the tits. Probably number two after after Ravel. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. It's so psychological. You know, like, and that was like one of the things where like my dad had this like weird BBC recording in English of Bluebeard's Castle, huh. which I was like obsessed with. And that was like another piece where I'm just like, like I would just listen to it beginning to end, and it was just so good. And it tells such a, it tells a story with the words. It's almost so much so that it's like I think this is why they don't stage it that often, right? Like, 
The giant next to you at the map. Oh, really? Mm. There was like a double bill with like Purcell a couple of years ago that was like the most amazing thing. They're doing a double bill with um, Tchaikovsky's Yolanta. That's weird. Not Dio yeah. and Aeneas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And usually it's done with Ervartung. That's like the traditional thing. That piece right sucks. <laughs> okay, well, there we go, Shepard. <laughs> no, I mean like... No, but like Verklechenacht is like... Sorry, sorry. The ear, Amazing. I, I saw Ervartung and I'm like, this sucks. No, <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Yes. What about Benjamin Britten? Oh, love Britten. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite you Britten piece? Deep cut, Curly River. Ooh, my Turner's Screw. Turner's Screw is really good. Midsummer Night Stream is really good. Yeah, Death I think that's one of my really favorite. I've never seen a live production of Death in Venice. Neither have People I. just don't do it. No, oh, it's so it's like, creepy. It's so weird. It's so good though, and also but it's, it's so good. Creepy. It's creepy. It's very like, creepy. What other composers can we throw at you? Hildegard von Bingen. <laughs> Don't even start me on this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about... Do you know she wrote a sex ed book? Like a really? super what? comprehensive sex ed book? When she was like the abbess of that... Good for her. Yeah, but she was like, this is how this works, folks. Don't get pregnant unless I, you want to. That's amazing. She yes. was an amazing person. How do you feel? I want I want to know how you feel about John Adams. John, John's great. John's, John's a mentor of mine. and Oh, that's nice. Hey, John. John commissioned the pieces of Fall to Earth. He paid for it. Oh, didn't he? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. That's he, amazing. He is he excited? Because again, that piece is kind of the shit. I think he was really excited. Good. I think that's amazing. Like composers building other composers up. Yeah, yeah. that's, John's, that's John's the John's ultimate. Been very supportive. Um, I love Nixon and China. Nixon, and mm-hmm. I think Alice Goodman is like a fucking genius. Like she's such. I actually like bought the like complete librettos of <gasps> Alice Goodman that they published. It's called Histories of Mother. Okay. Like, yeah, there's a. I, I think she's a genius. I think sort of her retirement from libretto writing is a tragedy, honestly. Like, mm. I think she sort of like considered coming out several times and never actually has. But I think the death of Klinghoffer just kind of destroyed her in terms of... Yeah, not fair. Which is like a problematic but good piece, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's it's hard to sell. You know, it's did basic, you see it when they did it? Yeah. I did see it when they came to the man. Mm-hmm. It was like... It's kind of an oratorio, sort of, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's hard for some pieces that are, like, that straddle what the traditional boundaries of opera are. Even though, like, nowadays we're kind of living in this great world where, like, opera can be anything. Like, mm-hmm. as long as there's song, as long as it's sung and it's sung in a particular style. Mm-hmm. Opera can be anything in any form, in any place, in any genre. Not even if it's sung a particular style. That's I think. true. Although, it's something like Dog Days, which I don't think is sung in a particularly traditionally operatic style and that is definitely an opera well i think it's a matter of i mean stuff that you write i don't think is is done in traditionally operatic style no it's true i i think that opera is just sort of i you know the thing about death of klinghoffer is i think the best version of it is like that penny wilcox film that she did mm-hmm. like, yeah I, I think it's just like pieces need context and, right you know. no what's her what about Leonard bernstein um I really like West Side Story. What about um, like Trouble in Tahiti or A Quiet Place? Trouble in Tahiti is actually really lovely. Trouble in Tahiti, really I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> I feel like Trouble in Tahiti is bizarrely depressing. That's the point, though, like, isn't it? Uh, yeah, no, it is, but I feel like it's unexpected when people Radical. go into like this, like Bernstein, like one act opera that's got like a jazz trio and it's like shoop mm-hmm. shoop scoobity doo, and then it's like. <laughs> The thing that people really know from it, I feel like, is the mezzo's aria, which is a very sort of comedic thing where she's talking about this horrible movie that she saw. Um, but the rest of the piece is just 
It's super dark. I love it's it. So depressing. Quiet place though. Like, like about this like marriage that just like is disintegrating in front of your eyes and. Quiet really place. I don't understand as a piece. Honestly, like I found it to be okay. just like a lot of dead weight. Mm-hmm. But like, it was a. I just like. I feel like the great American sort of tragedy of Bernstein is, is that he was like this like theater genius and like this is what he did. Like West Side Story and Candide and. Um, sort of trouble in Tahiti and then like he always was like I'm a serious artist too guys I'm serious I'm so serious mm-hmm. and like sort of quiet place and it just it's just sort of like it felt sort of like endless sort of dead weight and Stephen Sondheim be very careful <laughs> <laughs> no Sondheim's great I mean Sondheim is like honestly like at his best I think amazing sometimes not to my taste but infinite respect for Sondheim what is not to your taste I would say that when he's like artier, it goes to my taste more. Like whether it's Sunday in the Park or um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Little Night Music, mm-hmm. you know, like when it's like more composerly, I get into it more. Every composer, every composer is like, I like Sunday <laughs> in the Park with George, you know, like, right? of course, of course, right, of course, but you know, there's other shows I like, I like company, I like, um, Into the Woods, I, I like, I have a trauma involving an ex-girlfriend, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a weird thing with Into the Woods, they do like, like, high schools do like half of it, and it's like, high schools do act one, yeah, and it's mm-hmm. like weird, because I don't understand, this is like, not a Sondheim show, and it's just act one, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I like Sondheim. He's, to me, more of a lyrical, dramatic genius than he is a musical genius, in my opinion. That's fair. Mm. And I think he has an... on like The thing about Sondheim that I respect the most is that that guy is like, the drama is the thing that has to be served. Mm. And the music Always. is secondary to it. No, I agree with you. So Andy wrote this piece, which is like a piano deconstruction of the opening prologue of Into the Woods. Um, Which is like weirdly good. Yeah, it is really good. Like I was like Andy Kehoe is another composer. It actually is really good. Um, and so we went to that concert, and then afterwards, I wanted to leave, and Andy's like, "No, come here, just come here." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 don't do this to me." And we went to this tiny room with all these people, and Stephen Sondheim was there. Um, I did not talk to him. I did not want to talk to him. He like came within inches of me as he was leaving, and I just like stood there. And as soon as he left. I like burst into tears and I had forewarned him that this was going to happen. <laughs> and he didn't believe me. He did not believe me. And I just started like weeping unconsolably as soon as he left because like, Aww. I can't talk to him. I can't be in a room with him. Like Soundtime as a composer has a lot. There's like a lot there for me, you know? And um, like, I can't, I can't do it, but I love Stephen Sondheim, but I get what you're saying. 
But the drama is served before everything else. Yeah, right? I mean, I really love Little Night Music. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, yeah, he's great. Um, so you hate Dvorak, right? I do hate Dvorak. <laughs> what, about, what about Janacek? How do you feel about Ooh, Janacek? Janacek! Oh, the dead. So, so oh good. it's so, so what, good. What do you love about Janacek? I, it's so Good. weird. It's so fabulously it right, weird. Right. It's so so odd and like. It's like weird and beautiful. Yeah. No, Janacek is great. I like love Janacek. What's that one I, piece of his? I know it probably wasn't like this, but I kind of feel like Janacek was like composing in this bubble, and then like other people heard it afterwards, and they're like, "What?" Yeah, no, it's like, it, it is crazy. Yes, we do love Janacek. A symphony, Anna. Oh, I love this face. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Best brass piece by like a very significant margin. People don't do this piece very often. People don't do Janicek very often. I feel like. I know. I feel like Janicek. It's safe to say Janacek is one of the more underrated yeah. yes. composers. Yeah. He's so good. I mean, he was super creepy, but... I mean, yes. He just had his own fantasy. No, no, no. We've talked about this. Was no, no, no. creepier? Like, in Brooklyn, like, Mary, like, his, I don't like, know 13 year old cousin or something? What? I, I don't know a whole lot about that. Go on. <laughs> I don't know that much about it, but, like, severely weird dude. I think he married his, like, 13-year-old cousin. Didn't uh, really understand Wagner, but he was, like... I really like how Wagner sounds. I don't know what the plot is. We have to look into this. Bruckner? Anton Bruckner. Oh. That's disgusting. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> okay. Was- what What about, aside from Palios, which we've already talked about, what about Debussy, like his other works? I love Debussy. He's amazing. I suspected you would like Debussy. What, what are some other French composers that we consider, like, part of the French school that you would say that you love? I feel like there's like Frenchness is almost like a quality of being. Like I feel like Sariaho, despite being a French composer, uh, a Finnish composer, is like French in my mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. I love Griset, who wrote no vocal music. Oh no, he wrote one piece called Quatre uh, Chants, um, the four songs for crossing the threshold. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is like Barbara Hannigan sings, which is like, I think like an incredible masterpiece. And it's sort of these different texts. One was sort of. Um, from a sarcophagus, like different sarcophagi, like, and then one was like, part of it's from the Epic of Gilgamesh, and part of it's sort of like, I, I mean, I don't even, like, this piece is just like, it's a 45 minute piece, and it's a masterpiece. And it's wow. like, truly incredible. Mm-hmm. I like, it's really funny because I was sending screenshots of it to Ian the other day because there's like 17 gongs in the piece, and I'm like, <laughs> how's this setup going, Ian? And it's just like a guy in a cage of gongs. But it is. <laughs> I saw Barbara Hannigan sing it with um, New York Phil years ago, and then she sang it with the Berlin Phil, and it's on the Berlin Concert Hall, but it is, like, Mm -hmm. insanely good. And his vocal writing is so unique and so interesting, and he's, like, a composer who I think is just sort of incredible. Um, Who else is French and good? Um, Oh, not French. Ligeti. Ligeti. Did he... You know, I have, like, a weird beef with Le Grand Macabre that I can't... It's, like, implacable. Like, I think... Really? Why? Maybe, maybe Ligeti's just so good that you sort of have to rebel against these people. But <laughs> Le, Le Grand Macabre is really good. I saw it in the New York Phil. They did that performance. Um, yeah. That kind of famous performance that was everyone loved. 
With Eric Owens. Uh, yes, he was so good. So when you're writing an opera, like either in Invisible Cities or other operas that you've worked on in the Grove or in the Groove, how do you decide like what voice type a character is going to be? Is it that you imagine them in like your mind's eye or your mind's ear and you hear it in a certain way? Or? Well, I think it's a lot of it's like clarity of text too. So like someone who can like really communicate text really clearly is a mm-hmm. big thing in, in all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that that sort of like plays into that. I mean... I think clarity. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. I, I look for transparency. I look for things where, like, a person is, like, a conduit. Okay, so I know that you've been writing for Countertenor in your new opera. Mm-hmm. Dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elspeth's just upset that it wasn't a mezzo <laughs> Yeah. Do so you feel what like countertenors counter- are stealing jobs from mezzos? Right. Yeah. What In this instance, yes. <laughs> what made that, you choose it or in that point, inspired you, know, you to pursue I mean, a countertenor? I the character's literally a ghost, which I felt... No, I get it, I get it. Like, okay. countertenors are often ghostly sounding. Okay. Is it because it's like a, a timbre that we're not used to? Yeah, like disembodied somehow. Right, and otherworldly. Yeah, yeah otherworldly. Yeah. And so that was sort of why I chose a countertenor in that scenario. Mm-hmm. I just think in general that I gravitate towards clarity I, and gravitate towards transparency, both in my orchestration and my vocal writing. Mm-hmm. So, And a lot of the times it's very ensemble So, like, there was, like, I remember, and, like, this is not throwing shade, but I just sort of remember being at the back row of hearing Exterminating Angel at the at the Met and I love Tom Mattis' music but at that distance it just felt like a kind of wall of vibrato at me you know mm-hmm. okay that's fair mm-hmm. did you see Written on Skin? I did I had a funny dinner with George Benjamin afterward by accident and there's something about that piece where it's like it's incredibly beautiful my favorite part was interesting like that was the fun thing about having dinner with George is it? I was like, my favorite thing is the ending. And he's like, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And we just left it to Kitty Mitchell. And that's like an awesome thing about theater and collaboration is that sometimes you have to trust your collaborators. And mm-hmm. so, you know, he was like, mm-hmm. we didn't know what was going to happen at the end. And to watch the angel run up this, you know, to, to watch her and yes, run up the stairs, followed by these angels was sort of so beautiful and slow motion. And they didn't even know what was going to happen. And it's like the fact that she came up with that amazing thing was the beauty of opera to me. It was the beauty mm-hmm. of allowing for something to happen through ambiguity and that was really moving to me but yeah it's a really cool piece it's like yeah, it's good i don't know like, yeah like, no i love it it's really good yeah so if you could someone you have never collaborated with before if you could like have your dream collaboration is there a piece oh, like alive or dead Alive or dead. Okay. Anybody that's like a librettist, or if there's a stage director, or if there's anyone like uh, anyone that you feel like would be like this amazing mind or person to collaborate with, who would you dream about collaborating with? Honestly, like nobody. Like I. I... <laughs> no, it's not an answer. Honestly, answer myself. I want to. I want to discover a thing with someone. I don't want to like. Right. I don't want to like find some formula that already fits, you know. Like mm-hmm. Tapan is a genius, you know. Boito is a genius, you know. Whoever, like, I want to make a new thing with someone new, and that's right. more important to me than just relying on. Although, like, did right. Boito like sort of like talk Verdi out of retirement? He did, he did in order to write a tallow. Yeah. It's like we're all glad he did that. He but... kind of like tempted him with Shakespeare, right? But. I feel like DePonte would be like a super interesting guy to have a drink with. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I just like, like, let's make something today. We don't need to like resurrect the past. There's right. a million billion people working today and I'm so excited to be working with some of them. That's awesome. Gosh, I've, 
I feel like that's a really that's a really great note to end on. Yeah, it was like, yeah. It's like such a sweet a sweet sentiment. Well done, about sir. Opera well, today. Thank you, Chris. Thank My you pleasure. so much. Thank, thank you so much for having me, guys. To remind you of who we are, I'm Elspeth. I'm Kyle. I'm Chris. And I'm Naomi. Yay. And thanks for listening to Opera After Dark. Bye. 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 Bye.